0: Uh, hey everybody, we're talking about uh, season, what is it, I don't know, season six that we in, I, I somehow forgot that, but it's episode five, Eastwatch, and it opens with uh, Smoke on Water, which I, I think is a song, but I didn't look that up for the facts, uh, but out of, it's a great view, uh, that's what I put first, before I get to what's happening of uh, water with smoke in the distance and we can tell which is nice i I was happy about this uh really from a like a a fan perspective that it got right to the conclusion of last episode right away they didn't leave us hanging and i was very surprised by that i thought uh i was like are we gonna have to wait a whole episode like which like not until episode six uh, to find out what happened or are they going to show us, uh, right off the bat? And they said, Hey, right off the bat, we're going to show you and show us that they did because, uh, Bron comes out of the water. Then he pulls Jamie out of the water and they lie on the shore, catching their breath. They're exhausted. And Jamie's like, man, you could have, uh, what were you thinking, Bron, uh, it, we get a lot of not a lot of screen time of Jamie, but Jamie's really stretching. Really, a, like a, if you went, if you like use the term emotional journey, uh, Jamie's got quite the emotional journey he goes on in this episode. Well, I guess like he does get a lot of screen time too, yeah. But he this is like where his journey begins, I guess, at the beginning of the episode, really, like a rebirth in some sense. And he's mad at Bron for stopping him from going after the Khaleesi, and Bron's like, "WTF, bro? What were you doing?" And Jamie's like, trying to win the war, and Bron's like, "Yes." Uh, he goes, "There's a dragon there," and also Jamie's hand looked extra gold in the mud, like because the mud washes off the of gold easier. This is a saying too: "Mud washes off gold easier." than i guess it's a metaphor because you just build your own metaphor there uh but he says what do you like uh you like the bronson movie that's getting remade i believe uh he goes well, like he goes that was risky overly risky on purpose ron believes and he goes until i get my castle you're not going no dragons uh, no khaleesi's uh o- only me you have to answer to and then what does this say? You're fed. F E D I put uh, Capital F two uh, well, let me get the uh, closed close captioning on here. Episode just started on this end. Uh, but I don't know what he says. You're you're only me and then you're fed. Uh, and then Jamie goes, I gotta go tell Cersei and Bronn's like, you better you might as well just jump in the river. Let me see what if I can figure out that you're fed. Oh Jamie's like, there was only that was only one dragon. She's got two more. Oh, and yeah, Brian goes, You're effed. That's what FED means. Uh and, and Jamie's like, What do you mean you're? And Brian goes, I'm not dealing with any dragons, I'm no fool. And then we get another great quiet moment. The seasons had these wonderful quiet moments. Five forty-five. Uh Jamie's sitting on the shore alone, and we pull in the camera pulls into his back just watching uh, uh, the smoke and the fire really like mood setting, I guess, for especially. I didn't realize it's for his journey this episode or the journey I'm going to project onto him. Uh, then we have Tyrion walking through uh, the ash, uh, uh, a bit like, uh, like, um, was that? Uh, I don't know. It's like he's walking through the uh, ash. And then there's a meeting up at the big rock with the big dragon, Drogan. And there's lots of dragon sound effects and, uh, straight with the Lannister soldiers. Uh, she's like, I'm well aware of the xenophobia stuff. Cersei's peddling. And that's not me. She goes, that's just like, uh, what she's telling you. She goes, you bend the knee. I'm going to take that big wheel that keeps on turning and, uh, you know, break it. Uh, Make this world a better place. Uh, so she says. Who's in? Uh, then the dragon yells, and everyone but the Tarleys and some of the Tarly loyalists kneel. And big, big Tarley, whatever his name is, uh, big, big jerk. Tarley says, "We don't kneel. Uh, we're buying what Calys or Cersei's selling." Uh, he says, "I have a queen." And by the way, she was born in Westeros and lived here. And I said, holy, like, uh, it's just good, wild, the uh, intersections here. And Tyrion calls him out. He says, uh, it wasn't your queen last week. Uh, and uh, Tyrion goes, Well, uh, I, you know, then he turns to xenophobia stuff. And then Dickens says, I love my dad, and I'm, you know, I have the same pride my dad has. And Khaleesi goes, Well, that's not going to work out too well. You got a choice. Go ahead and make your choice. Uh, and, uh, she goes, okay, well, that's it. Uh, Charlie's out. And Tyrion tries at least two or three times to like, uh, intervene on his behalf and get a lighter deal. And I wonder how subtle this is. This is some sort of subtle, uh, Royal, like, uh, people with Royal blood, uh, like, is this some sort of self-preservation thing that we're going to see? Like a little tiny string where uh, Tyrion's like, well, I'm not comfortable watching. Ro- like, these are the royals. Uh, I'm a royal. They're royals. Uh, let's get a little nice, you know, where was it? point zero one percent or whatever. Also, this is a little humor I put in here. It's a good thing Sam has that sword. Uh, like, uh, uh, anyway, I mean, for real. And he's, a, uh, he's still a Tarly, and he's the best Tarly in my book. Also, uh, yeah, seriously says. I mean, Khaleesi says they made a choice at 11:02. Uh, Dragon tail is on screen. It is so cool, a great effect. Holy cow! Great touch. Really, like they didn't have to put it on there, and they did, and it was wonderful. So then the Tarleys are out. Everyone else, everyone else is like, okay, we're with you, Khaleesi. And Khaleesi has her ice cold look, and Tyrion has a Tyrion's worried look. Uh, and then we see Jamie walking fast in a hallway. That's another thing for this season. Jamie and Halls. Uh, season six. I mean, that could be like, a, I think enough people would watch. He's a handsome man. Like, like I, I haven't looked at his behind, but uh, I guess I have all season walking down halls. And he rushes by Clyburn. And there's two Clyburn moments uh, that I didn't quite... Uh, I mean i guess it makes sense in the end uh, but he, he, he seriously says how many men did we lose and jamie's like we have not accounted and we haven't done an accounting yet uh and seriously's like no worries we'll buy some more soldiers uh we got the gold stuff and we got the loan stuff and jamie's like not with the Dera- uh that's not gonna work uh also, there's dragons. By the way, did you, did you hear about the dragons? Because that's a pretty big deal. In really, some high level performing by Circe. Uh, she says, uh, like this scene in a later scene. The later scene is just like spectacular. Like almost on the level when her and Olana are alone. Uh, like one or two seasons ago. But she says, What are we going to do? Sue for peace? And he says, Well, sort of. Uh, he goes, uh, Or what? She goes, What sort of offer do you think uh, she would make with her dragons? Uh, and then Jamie tells on a lot. And Cersei's like, uh wasn't that? W- 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 oh, she doesn't even buy it. She He goes, Yeah, with uh, Joff, she's the one who uh, ruined Joff's wedding, not Tyrion. And she goes, oh, it's so kind that you gave her that wine, then. Uh, and Jamie's like, who would you want your kid to marry, Joffrey or Tommen? And then he, like, makes an excuse, like, uh, like I mean, uh, to, to control. And Cersei sits there. She's chilled. Like, and I don't mean, like, chill, like, we're kicking back with a joint. Like, I mean, chill, chilled. And she says, I shouldn't have listened to you. And I think I wrote, I know my choice, but I'm going to see if I can pick it out. like. Uh, Maybe she said, I know my place, because she says, we're going to stand uh, and uh, do battle here. And uh, she goes, and a soldier should know his. Yeah, she did say, I know my choice, and a soldier should know his. And uh, Jamie, like, it's a heartbroken swallow look. It, then we have the return of the dragon and Jon Snow. uh like, uh, looking pensive out on the bluffs. Uh, Drogon looks spectacular. And uh, what does this say? Do- Drogon does... Oh, Gary Ga- G- Ga- 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 acts, uh looks like an AD&D cover, which was cool. Does that up to John. Then he sniffs him and John pets him. At least he can't get a good look at what's happening. And at least on the face, it's very elephant-like, uh, The D- Drogon. Uh, I wonder if it feels like an elephant. And uh, we see Drogon's eye looking at John And Khaleesi's totally impressed, uh, which will look kind of as a, another thread of this episode. And John's kind of blown away from interacting with a dragon. And Drogon goes into the sky. And Khaleesi's like, beautiful, aren't they? He goes, oh, yeah, but, uh, not what I was thinking. They're beautiful beasts. She goes, they're my children. Uh, beautiful to me and John goes hey you weren't gone very long she's like nope Uh, and he goes and so and she goes yep less bad guys to deal with now and John goes "Eh, uh, like kind of like Tyrion and she goes you know what like uh, sometimes strength is terrible John and you you know that from last season and he goes "Eh." and she goes by the way what's up with that uh, uh, Davos creeping out my uh, interpreter, one? Uh, two, or, like, uh, is he going to not mansplain anything this episode? And three, did he say something about you and your hearts? And he's like, oh, it's just a figure of speech. She goes, N-, she goes, I'm the Khaleesi, bro. And then they're interrupted. And there's a sweet uh, Dothraki reveal of Sir Jorah. This felt like a Star Wars trailer, to be honest. Uh, I don't know when, like, they started recording all the cool stuff on bluffs, but, dude, keep, keep it up. As we'll see at the end of the episode, there's nothing that, like, the only thing that looks better than uh, dudes on bluffs and Khaleesi's on bluffs is, uh, like, in the blizzard-to-blizzard blizzard snow. Yeah, you think if Sir Jorah would only stay on bluffs and snow, he would have had a chance getting out of the friend zone. Yeah, but holy friend zone, Jorah's, Sir Jorah's back, he kneels right away. He sees John and she goes, this is my old friend. Uh, and she goes, you look strong. And, you know, this is a little bit, even though this is a great reunion, it still is a little heartbreaking on Jorah's behalf. And she goes, you got that dragon scale dealt with? He goes, it wouldn't be here if I didn't. And uh, he goes, I'm here to return if you'll have me and uh she goes as a friend i'll have you back uh and john frowns uh and uh also there's like a couple I, I don't know if like uh, so i might as well propose this right now uh, and the third watch of this episode this morning uh there's a lot of uh like a lot of books from Sir jora so i don't know if he's a proxy for the audience uh in the, like, the audience that might be doubtful about John and Khaleesi's burgeoning attraction, or if he just doesn't want to be in the friend zone. But, like, he gives a lot of looks, which I think would be, like, how a lot of audience members are. Like, I don't buy, like, I'm not buying into this. I'm not down with this, uh, or whatever. So I, that was just a question I had, uh, is he, a, like, I guess we'll see over the next two episodes, or maybe he's not... Yeah, but so then uh, Bran and the we see the Crow Patrol. Bran's on the uh, Crow Patrol, and he sends the crows past the wall through the mountains into the mist. Uh, and we see a lot of people from the north uh, with the uh, Walkers on the hill. They break up the Crow Patrol, and Bran comes out of it. In the Master's standing right there, and Bran goes, "Send, the, send the ravens, yo." Then there's a meeting in Old Town of all the maesters, and, uh, they're talking about prophecies of doom. And just like any, like, university or whatever, there's always, like, a mutton chop, like, know-it-all, that's got, like, the cynical humor. And I like to call it intellectual bullying myself, but, you know, let's not, let's not go down that road. But that could do on my favorites list, uh. And they're talking about a magical three-eyed raven and a kid. How bad the north is. Maybe a dull the master's wits with the cold, the drink, and the company. And uh, Sam's like, I know a three-eyed raven named Bran. And they go, Yeah, it's a bit much. Uh, and then the, the his his main guy, his his kind of uh, the main maester, the archmaester. Uh says, and what do you want, Charlie? He goes, Well that kid survived north of the wall for like years. Uh so something's going on. And uh Sam's he says, What should we do? Per- perhaps, uh what does that say? Perhaps? And then Mutton Chop says, Perhaps you need more transcribing. And then uh this is like this is another scene like uh talking about current events. I'm positive it is. Uh, but uh, different than cold, more warm current events. Uh, Sam says, Maesters are trusted. If you tell everyone the threat is real, like people believe it and take you seriously. And Archmaster says, it could be done, it's possible, and this could all be true, or, you know, this is over a lot, or it could be a ploy by the Dragon Queen, you know, that there's magic birds and, uh, uh, all that uh and Sam says come on please it's real for sure Our Archmaester and Archmaester says well we'll get clarification from the dude up there Wolken and then they make it then they kick Sam out and then they make some jokes. Let me see the jokes about uh they say remember Jenny of Old Stones who the Charlatan from The Children of the Forest and Lotos and they have a laugh Prophet Lotos oh boy uh, who said the they the laugh at lotus uh so that was good, and then he leaves and they say, Well, he's a good kid actually and then we see a scroll tap tap tapping and it's varus uh, he has a scroll Tyrion and varus drink uh and they think they're doing moral equiv- equivocation or equivocation or whatever I talk about it in the facts or I will because uh, Varys is, I'm only a purveyor of information, you know, I wasn't really doing anything wrong as Tyrion's trying to unpack, you know the Khaleesi and how to control her and he goes, well she's not really her father uh, and, and they, you know, he, then Varys is like, you gotta make her listen and there is a theory I have, or suspicion like that'll bring up now, is Varys on the inside, because uh, uh like like where's Clyburn getting his information from or is that just a coincidence uh so it's just something i want to sit i put out there uh they don't i don't suspect Varys until this but this was strange i mean in the red woman weirding him out doesn't help uh but uh he goes what's that scroll he goes oh it's from the north uh and uh, Tyrion says, what does it say? He goes, it's a sealed scroll for the King of the North. Uh, and then there's like another nice beat of uh, quiet. And Tyrion goes, yeah, right. What does it say? And he goes, nothing good. Then we cut to the Jon holding the scroll. And he goes, geez, I thought Ari and Bran were gone. Uh, but, you know, this says they're around. And Khaleesi says, I'm happy for you. And John goes, I got to go home. Uh, and Khaleesi goes, you don't have the troops to, to go home. And he does this move. Anybody uh, anybody's like, I think he's good at it because he's Jon Snow. But he goes, oh, we'll be fine, Khaleesi. We don't need all your soldiers and dragons and stuff. You know, I'm just going to go. And she, you can see this whole scene. There's a lot of looks exchanged. And uh, if you watch her drawer, a lot of humor in this scene, too. Uh, but then like, uh, like he says, well, what else am I going to do? And she goes, well, I got to deal with, uh, Cersei. And then Tyrion says, perhaps not, maybe we could prove her wrong and bring down one of the North uh, dudes to her. Like, is that possible? And they say, well, like, uh, it's possible, but we need to get to, get to her. We need an audience. Maybe Jamie. And then at 2650, they say, well, how would we even get into King's Landing? Uh, and everyone turns to Davos. This is really funny. And Davos says, well, I could do it, um, but I'm not a fighter. That comes up a lot. Uh, and they go, well, how do you propose to go get somebody? And then uh, Sir Jorah says, with the Queen's permission, like, I'll go do it. And this is where, it, like, like I could say that it's clear that the uh, denarius's feelings towards uh, Jon, you know, with his whole self-sacrifice routine, because uh, Davos says, "Well, Sir Jorah," he goes, "The free folk aren't going to follow Sir Jorah," and John goes, "They won't have to, man. Uh, we're we're going to be on it." Uh, and Khaleesi, she's really like. Uh, she seems uh enthralled, I would say. She she like uh and there's also like a lot of looks from Joro at her looks. Uh let's see, it's rolling right now. This is where Jorah says it, and then John says, Yeah, the free folk will help us. Uh, they know the north. Uh and he goes, Yeah, they won't have to. Even Davos looks at John. But yeah, Khaleesi's face, her lips just part. And she's breathing, they're both making serious eye contact. And was like, You can't do that, that's too heroic, man. And he goes, I know it, uh and then we see Khaleesi, she goes, I haven't given you permission. He goes, I don't need permission from you or anybody. Because I trusted you as a stranger and uh, like because I wanted to, you know, I could I took a risk and trust in trusting you. Now I need you to take a risk in trusting me, a stranger or formerly a stranger, uh, because I got we got to help everybody. And, uh, like, uh, you know, it it really like uh, there's now there's a pull into Scalise. Like now she's got a poker face on and she's sinking and then she moves her eyes to Tyrion and he says, well, it was the only way, kind of his look, uh, and she nods. A lot of breathing, a lot of throat movement. Didn't see Sir Jorah's looks there, though. Uh, then we have trouble in Winterfell. Uh, everybody's like, we should have chose you, Sansa. Uh, all our knights came from the Vale for you, uh, Lady Stark. Uh, and she goes, yo, John's the king, not me. And Arya's watching. No one's happy. Arya grins it seemed like Sansa like I really feel for Sansa in this situation I don't know why like uh, and to be honest Arya is one of my favorite characters but I don't know I'm getting a twinge twinge with Arya so then Sansa and Arya are walking the halls and Sansa's like this isn't easy and Arya's like you didn't stand up for John." and then they go into the room she's like WTF this is a mom and dad's room you're sleeping in here and uh, Sansa says, Is that a problem? And she goes, Never mind. And then Sansa says, Well, tell me which, what the problem is. Uh, and uh, tell me what you mean. But San- Aria takes that it's So let me be mean. She goes, You always wanted nice things and to be, you know, like on Tiger Beat posters. And uh, you just sat there. That's when she said, uh, You didn't stand up for John. And Sansa's like, you weren't here. Like, it wasn't easy. We had to work as a team. And they just didn't quite get this scene. Like, I think it'll pay off. It makes sense. Uh, She's like, work together. Arya's like, yeah, that's just what you really want. And even Arya's, Sansa's like, what? Like, uh, and maybe there's some truth. Uh, You know, that Sansa's still a social climber. But uh, she's I feel like this is like this question that maybe will be answered. I guess like like there's still more to uncover in the episode. So I'll talk about it in a few minutes, I guess. Yeah. But then Arya goes milady and she's out. Uh, uh, Then we see King's Landing. And Davos and Tyrion pull up and he's like, last time, you know, I, I dealt with my dad. And Davos is like, well, it's the last time you dealt with my son. And Davos goes, uh, like, puts a spike in the ground instead of an anchor, and uh, they say, "Well, he so like, goes, uh, just go up the steps and sneak in." And Tyrion goes, "Where are you going?" He goes, "I got my own business in Flea Bottom. You got me own business." Uh, and Tyrion's like, well, "What about the boat?" He goes, uh, "If it's what if it's gone?" And then <laughs> Davos goes, "Then we're aft, man. So you best hurry." And then we're below the castle and uh, with Bronn and he's like, let's get training, Jamie. He's got a torch. And Jamie's like, why? Like, not right now. We got stuff to do. He goes, oh, no, no. He goes, yeah, let's get practicing. You're out of shape. And he goes, uh, and Jamie goes, "Okay," And he goes, well, let's get swinging. And he goes, oh, no, you're not swinging at me. And then he's like, here's your brother Tyrion and uh Tyrion, like kind of opens with geez jamie you really outsmarted me you're three steps ahead of me father would have been proud jamie looks in a wonderful way terrible in this scene uh like he's really sunk uh and because he, he really is uh, like uh like his belief system's kind of crumbled uh because he's always just seemed to believe in circe and uh but, you know, she knows, that she knows, don't worry. She's a lot smarter than, than I am. So, but I really love how they made him look, uh, in the acting. Really, really wonderful stuff. Uh, but he says, uh, well, geez, I'm, am a sick of you, man. Like, like I told you, if I saw you again, I would give you a spanking. Yeah. Jamie looks so exhausted and torn, triple explanation point, uh, he goes, Yeah, I was going to. And Tyrion goes, it take a while with a sparring sword. And then Tyrion tries to get a little bit of vindication and connection with him, like with personal stuff. And Jamie goes, Personal stuff? What do you want? Uh, and he goes, I want you to agree with, to certain terms. Uh, Jamie goes, Bend the knee? And he seriously won't do that. He goes, Not right now. We got more important things. And then we cut to Sword Street or Sword, like uh, Steel Street or something. Uh, Davos is on the prowl at 3315 in the background. A dude puts on a barrel backpack. Uh, I thought that was sweet. Uh, I'm sure those will be hitting the streets of uh, where I live, Oakland and Alameda and Brooklyn soon. Barrel backpack, you know, carry your stuff. It won't get, you know, it's protective. You could cool keep cool drinks in there it's a backpack, it's a barrel, it's a barrel backpack, you know, sustainable wood. Uh, But he said, then Davos says, wasn't sure this one we could kind of see coming. I mean, also, if you watch the credits, you saw the dude's name, but uh, he says, I wasn't sure I'd find you here. And then there's a Gendry reveal, which I was wondering how this was going to occur. And it seems like it occurred organically because of the storytelling process, which is cool. Instead of being a shock, uh, like a reversal. So I, I like it this way they in, introduced Gendry back in and to have to, a to says, I thought you'd be rolling, row, still rowing. And he could, you know, Gendry says, you look awful, man. And he goes, nothing asks you like time does man. And he says, you been been any trouble. He goes, yeah, no. He goes, well, uh, troubles a, a, a permanent state or something. Or something. I don't know. I can't read my handwriting. Any trouble? Nope. Uh, or uh, like safeties in a never present state or something. And he goes. I think I got to talk to you about going on. And Gendry's like, Let's go. He goes. Well, I was going to try to convince you to. come. He goes. Yeah. Let's. Let's. I got my bag ready. I've been ready. I've been waiting. And then he goes. I'm going to bring a sword. He goes. Uh, Davis goes. Bring a sword. He goes. No, I got a hammer, man. And then they get down to the boat, and Davis goes, keep everything quiet about yourself. Then he, the gold cloaks come, and he starts calling them Clovis. Uh, then he goes back to his old tricks. He pays off the guards. He goes, is it still uh, five gold dragons? And he goes, no, it's 15 now, a piece. Uh, and they go, what's in the boat? He goes, fermented crap. not more gold, he says. And he goes, Fermented Crab, uh, which is like their version of Viagra. He goes, It'll put a hole in your chain mail. And then Tyrion shows up and Gendry has to handle things. Uh, and he, he, Davos goes, This is Gendry. And Tyrion goes, He'll do. Uh, then we see Jamie walking. He walks in on Cersei and Clyburn. And Clyburn goes, Sir Jamie? And uh, do, you, do or who? And I can't read my writing, but it'll come up. This is a great, great scene. Oh, they were talking about something. They were whispering. I couldn't tell. uh, That'll do or something. Uh, And he goes, what's he doing in here? And she goes, he's the Hand of the Queen. Why are you here? And at 4040, uh, she gives a look on Tyrion. She sits down. He goes, I was meeting with Tyrion. Yeah, uh, so she, her look gets matched by his look, uh, and then there's, like he does, he moves his head to give her another look, uh, and she goes, "What did our brother have to say?" It was such a wonderfully delivered line, and he goes, uh, "You know, Daenerys wants to meet and armistice," uh, and Cersei goes, "Why would she?" And he goes, "Well, there's an army from the north of uh, trouble, and Tyrion's got proof," and she laughs. Uh, And nods, looks around, laughs again. She goes, are you going to punish him? And Jamie goes, who? And she goes, Bronn, he betrayed you. What did our brother have to say? I love that line. And she goes, I know everything that happens in this city, dude. And then Jamie goes, why? And she goes, well, this will be good for us. We can get sneaky. We can get crafty. This will be in our immediate interests, Just like Father, we're going to fight just like Father would. And then another classic line, uh, dead men, dragons, and dragon queens. Whatever stands in our way, we'll beat it. Uh, We'll defeat it for ourselves, for our house, and for this bun I got up in my oven. And then Jamie's belief system is restored, I guess. Uh, She's like, I'm praggers. And Jamie's back in it. Uh, He's just so relieved, I think, even to have something to believe in again. uh, Maybe. He looks a little conflicted, but also happy. He goes, well, people aren't going to like that. Uh, You can tell them who the father is? She goes, oh, yeah. And she goes, remember what father would say. The lion uh, lion doesn't care what the sheep say or something. uh, And they hug. And... uh, she goes, never betray me again. And Jamie, like, at first he's happy. He kind of still has a little bit of a shocked look on his face. Like, oh, boy, am I in trouble. Which, he, I mean, come on, dude. Yeah, then we have Clovis uh, and uh, uh, Davos. He says, make sure you go by Clovis. Don't harass John. He's like a celebrity around here. Don't admit, you know, don't. And then Gendry goes, I'm Robert's son, Gendry, uh, bastard's son. And they kind of share a few moments talking about their dads and how they didn't really know them or, you know, Gendry didn't. And then, I don't know, they have a moment and Gendry's like, I'm in this thing. And he goes, well, what about a sword? He goes, I prefer a hammer. And Davos is like, well, I prefer to be a coward for a minute, uh, and, you know, an and old, uh, he goes, again, I can't fight really good, uh, and then, what does it say? Like, this is literally what my handwriting says. I will interpret it. Gendry, I can't watch. Nobody mink one. I mean, I assume it's I like can't wait. And nobody mink one, though. No. But he's like, uh, Davis is like, Gendry can handle himself. Uh, uh, you know, he's got the hammer thing. Coward for a minute. Uh, this is what they're talking. Well, there's no problem. Or for a hammer uh, john looks at davos yeah he can handle himself here davos has got quite the eyebrows uh, john says yeah we could use the help uh and this is it better be for a coward for a minute than uh, at the big farm maybe each like gendry's like you're double my father figure you're my, and then davos is like you're my son figure can't wait out this war Oh, Davos says, yeah, nobody mind me. All I've ever done is live to a ripe old age. Nobody mink one. Nobody mind me. Okay, then they push, they're push. they starting to push the boats out and say their goodbyes. And uh, Tyrion goes up to Jorah. He goes, uh, I'm going to miss you, man. Nobody hours like you. He goes, this is the coin we bought our freedom with. Uh, bring it with you, but bring it back. And then we have another moment, like, with uh, Jorah and Khaleesi. She says farewell. It's kind of painful for me. I guess it's somebody, like, that truly does end up in the, it's been, like, in the friend zone a bunch of times. Like, uh, it's like, holy cow. Like, uh, you just, you feel for Jorah. Like, uh, it's like, uh, it, I don't know. It just, it just is. Uh, but he kisses her hands uh, as he sees his rival, John. And John's kind of glib because he's not in the front zone he 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 can afford to be glib uh but yeah again i don't know I don't know where this is going, that's why I love this show so much uh I don't know where we're being led, especially with this with the Sirjor stuff and with the aria stuff, at least the sirjor stuff it's just uh so operatic so operatic in a way, but John goes, yo I'm rolling out if if I don't come back, you don't gotta worry about me." And I got to tell you, when the Khaleesi's in love, she looks a hundred times more beautiful. And I'm not just saying that like this scene, it was just something about, uh, like, uh, she was, I've grown used to the King in the North. Uh, and I, I was like, uh, so was just great acting. Uh, cause I fell in love with the Khaleesi being in love. Uh, and then Jorah kind of stares back one last look, uh, then we have Sam and Gilly, 4730, uh, could have been an episode of sleep with me. Gilly's like listing off facts about steps in the Citadel and how many windows were in the 15782, steps in the Citadel. How many windows in the Sept of Baylor? Uh I don't know if she answers this. Let's find out. Uh, Sam's like, there's no windows, there's zero. And she's reading this book by High Septon Maynard, which seemed like it was important because it was talking about Aegon. But uh, Sam gets uh, so fed up. He goes, uh, This is it's hero time. He goes, Give this book to the kid. I'm going to thieve some books. There's great music. And he's really had a great season. I've been really happy like with the story they've given him. And it's been essential, I guess, uh, to the overall story. But he like uh, steals all the books, and he st- again a nice moment. He stops and looks back at the library, and he kind of lets his future and his dreams go in a heroic way. He's the heroic Charlie. We already, I mean, we already knew that. Uh, but he says goodbye to the library, and they packs up their cart. Uh, and Gilly's like, "Are you sure about this?" And he goes, "I'm tired of reading." Which every librarian in the world said, what? He goes, enough reading about heroic acts. Uh, you know, I get to do heroic acts. And then we have this other threat with Arya. It's Winterfell. There's whispers going on with Baelish and people. And Arya's watching from the shadows. Baelish has got super long sleeves. Uh, he really looks like a Sith Lord. I mean, for seasons he has. Uh, I mean, I guess you could say the same like... Uh, like uh, like his Sansa, like his Padawan, but uh, hope not. And he meets with old Breastplate and the Maester, and uh, like even the Maester are talking. And then Baelish goes into his room, locks up uh, with his, his scroll that is the only copy. And uh, Arya busts in his room. Now I have to like uh, so. Well, I'll tell you what happened, and then I'll talk about it. Arya busts in his room, searches this place. He's got tons of paper products. Uh, and scrolls and stuff. So I don't know if he's researching a book or what, uh but she finds the scroll. And I even put I mean, come on. But uh it said something about from Sansa about swearing fealty to Joffrey, I think. Uh and Sansa gets a look and then she leaves the room, but Baelish is watching the whole time from the shadows. And this is my thing. Like I like she's a faceless person now, so I don't buy that uh I just don't know, like I hope that uh, she would be to have teamed up with Brienne, and that she's not getting paid, play, like they're playing Baelish, I mean that's the Baelish move I talked about, like you really gotta so maybe they are following that, which is like you let yourself uh, you let Baelish think he's playing you to play Baelish but I think Baelish would even know that but whatever, like uh, he's trying to stir up trouble, it's clear uh, that he's, he has machinations going on. So I don't know how this is going to turn out. And I also don't know who Baelish is really loyal to. I mean, he even says it's his obsession with Kate, Kate and, uh, Sansa, but I don't even buy that. Also, like what's up with the sleeves? Like, it's just not a good idea. I mean, I guess for keeping warm, it is, but, uh, I guess it's like a sleeve scarf. Anything else? Any other comments? And I think that's it. Uh, then we see the boats land. We see Eastwatch by the sea. We see Tormund. Uh, Tormund's back in town. And they're having a meeting. He goes, aren't you guys supposed to talk John out of these crazy ideas? Or he says that to Davos. Davos goes, uh, well, he's I'm failing at that. And he goes, which queen are you trying to deal with, the one that uh, sleeps with her brother or the one with their dragons? And uh, John's like, both. Uh, and he goes, how many men you got? He goes, this many. And then he goes, and the big woman, and his eyebrow goes up. It was such a, 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 a brilliant. And this was a little bit overkill, because this is like the third time Davos, uh, like... Uh, they got bad feelings for Davos because he's getting it, like, he goes, I'm a liability. And Tormund goes, yes, you are. Uh, so Tormund's like, Geez, well, you're not the only ones trying to get north of the wall. And then at uh, 5545, we have this great scene, really one of the great Game of Thrones scenes ever. Uh, they go down and uh, like locked up, the hound's laying there. And Jan goes, you're the hound. Uh the hound stands up, all irritated, uh, and uh, John goes, "Yeah, I saw you once." Uh, the hound's like, "Yeah, w- well, w- what up?" Uh? And then Tormund's like, "They want to go beyond the wall," and, and then Beric Dondarrion's like, "We don't, we don't want to. We got to go back beyond the wall." And Gendry goes, "These guys sold me to a witch. Uh, you can't trust them." Uh, they're the worst. And then Davos, uh, or no, uh, yeah, this is where it gets, uh, it gets complicated. Uh, uh, Jorah sees Soros Amir and he goes, Soros, what's up? And Soros is like, dude, I'm, I can't drink in here and it's cold. It's the worst. And then Tormund goes, you're a Mormon. He goes, that, that guy was the Lord commander. He hated it. Uh, North, Northern people, uh, and him and Jorah kind of has to have a moment. Uh, and then uh, Don Darien says, Here we all are all together at the same moment, heading the same direction for the same reason. And then Davos goes, Well, not technically the reasons are different. He goes, Okay, the reasons are different. But uh, he goes, Don't you think there's a greater purpose at work and we serve it together? Starts pacing around whether we know it or not. Uh, he goes, and then the hound goes, would you be quiet? Are we going north or what? Uh, and John goes, don't you want to know what we're doing? And Samir goes, it's better than sitting in a cell freezing. And John goes, he's right. We're all on the same side. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? He goes, we're all breathing. We're all in this together. And Tormund even pats John. He says, all right, bro, here's the keys. And then we have this classic hero scene. I mean, this is like an homage and new of them leaving the castle. The gates are opening the blizzard. And I got to tell you, like, uh, never considered Jorah uh, handsome. But he looks pretty good, like, uh, in this scene. Like, a bit like an a old Han Solo on Hoth. I mean, he's got those steely blue eyes. If the Khaleesi could see him... Uh, uh, like he, like he might have a chance, he might have a chance just to, from this scene. And, uh, everyone looks very heroic except for the hound and Thorosamir Samir is getting drunk and the hounds looking grouchy and they march out, uh, into history. I, I think, and it's just a wonderful way to end the episode. Really? Uh, I mean, of course I would have wanted another 45 minutes, but, uh, Yeah, they head out into the, like, into the blizzard, and uh, the episode ends. Okay, so we'll talk about some of the facts that came up in this episode. Uh, The opening scene reminded me of this Neil Young song, which is one of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, And it goes a little something like this. uh, Old man lying by the side of the road with the lorries rolling by. Blue moon sinking from the weight of the load as the buildings scrape the sky. Cold wind ripping down the alley at dawn, and the morning paper flies. Uh, something man lying by the side of the road with the daylight in his eyes. Uh, don't let it bring you down. It's only castles burning. Find someone who's turning, and you will come around. A blind man running through the light of the night with an answer in his hand. Come on down to the river of sight and you can really understand. Red lights flashing through the window in the rain. Can you hear the sirens moan? White cane lying in a gutter in the lane if you're walking home alone. Uh, Don't let it bring you down. It's only castles burning. Uh, Just find someone who's turning and you will come around. So it's just like a Neil Young song I love and uh it uh, the actual it's it you know it means something different but uh I don't know it just reminded me of that. Uh then we had you know Brand was on snow patrol with the Ravens then we had real snow patrol at the end. And then I said isn't there wasn't there a rapper uh, who did a song informer was not in that snow patrol and ends up, no. So let's get some clarification on some of these different uh, famous, uh, there's three famous uh, Snows. Yeah, First off is the rapper or musician Snow, according to uh, Wikipedia, uh, Darren Kenneth O'Brien, uh Canadian reggae artist who is known for his 92 sing- single Informer, which is a song I sing to myself sometimes, every once in a while, un- incorrectly. And he was born in Toronto. Uh, and uh, let's see, uh, you know, he's had so he's had a lot of ups and downs. Uh, uh, he, I guess, he uh, DJ Marvin Prince. Uh, he met and uh, he uh, also some legal disputes uh, with Marvin Prince. And he's been an international success since uh, the 1990s. Uh, collaborated with cindy Lauper, even so uh yeah so that's snow uh from informer now snow patrol on the other hand is a northern irish scottish rock band uh, gary lightbody nathan conley paul wilson johnny quinn uh johnny McNa- mcdade and they're an indie rock band uh, that rose to prominence in the mid-2000s as part of the Britpop movement. Yeah, They met at the University of Dundee. And, uh, yeah, well, you guys know Britpop. Uh, and uh, hit single, Chasing Cars, that was their hit single. And not a lot of other good facts that I have about them. Now, what about uh, Snow Job? I mean, that's a saying, but this is a G.I. Joe character. And this was a G.I. Joe character my brother got for Christmas, and I was kind of upset about it. Uh, He's a snow-based G.I. Joe character. And there's some good facts. a fictional character. Oh, boy, it's fictional. Snow Job from G.I. Joe toy line. Uh, He's the original Arctic Trooper. His real name, Harlan W. Moore, he's a staff sergeant, E6, was born in West Rutland, Vermont, a uh, major Olympic biathlon. It's crazy I have more facts about him, yeah, but he was an Olympic biathlon contender who enlisted for special training and support privileges the Army gives to Olympic champions. It's been suggested he got his nickname from being a con artist. Uh, uh, that more than his military specialty and the Arctic ski patrol. Yeah, unlike some of the envi- other environmental specialists on the GI Joe team, uh, Snowjob doesn't thrive on the cold, but he accepts the chilly environments uh, that are the best place to show his incredible skills. Uh, he can ski down a steep, uh, steep slope, uh, he's a marksman. And, uh, no one wants to be on the receiving end of one of snow job scams. I guess like, Oh, that's a snow job, like a con job. Uh, and he's a haze new recruits, uh, but never outrageous, uh, just a way to keep his teammates perceptive and aware. So that's a snow job. Yeah. My brother, Carl got him for Christmas. I wanted him. I think I got snake eyes. who was actually cooler. And uh, the dude that came with the dog, dog guy or something pitbull or something but uh I, I like I used my brother's snow job to um uh recreate uh scenes from a view to a kill when I was in like sixth grade, which I shouldn't have been still playing with toys apparently uh it's how you get into the friend zone uh that's one sign you'll be in the friend zone later in life uh proven proven by my imagination the no longer you play with toys but who's laughing now uh <laughs> okay, let's let's do another song. I think Dolly Parton probably say, sings my favorite uh, version, but it was written by uh, Jackie DeShannon, Jimmy Holiday, and Randy Myers. And this is a song we could use. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I think it was like, oh, making the world a better place. Like it comes up a few times in this episode. Put a little love in your heart. Think of your fellow person. Uh, lend them a helping hand. Put a little love in your hearts. Uh, rewritten by Scoots. Uh, you see, it's getting late. Oh, please don't hesitate. Put a little love in your hearts. And the world will be a better place. And the world will be a better place for you and me. You just wait and see. Another day goes by and still the children cry. Put a little love in your hearts. If you want the world to know, we won't let hatred grow. Put a little love in your hearts, and the world will be a better place. And the world will be a better place for you and me. You just wait and see. Uh, take a good look around, and if you're looking down, put a little love in your hearts. And I hope when you decide, kindness will be your guide. Put a little love in your hearts. And the world will be a better place. And the world will be a better place for you, and me. You just wait and see. Put a little love in your heart, each and every day. Put a little love in your heart. There's got to be a better way. Put a little love in your heart. Uh, don't you think it's time we start, Dolly? You're right. To put a little love in our hearts. And the last thing I want to talk about. Uh, I thought there was one more thing, but uh, moral equivalence. So there was a. Uh, I, I I was thinking that maybe Tyrion and Varys were practicing moral equivalence, but then I said, "Scoots, do you know what moral equivalence is?" I said, "Well, that's great, a great question, Scoots. Uh, let's look it up." Uh, this is over at the Logic Place uh, over at yandu.wordpress.com uh, from August thirteenth, twenty fifteen. Uh, by uh, It's referencing Gene Kirkpatrick, but I don't see a uh, an author, so it's just, uh, I guess the author would be a logical place. Uh, moral equivalence is a form of equiv- equivocation used in political debates, drawing comparisons between different, even unrelated things to make a point that one is just as bad as the other or one is just as good as the other. Uh, Drawing a moral equivalence in this way is an informal fallacy and a special case of false equivalence. Uh, Quoting still, a common manifestation of this fallacy is a claim often made for ideological ideological motives that both sides are equally to blame uh, for a conflict. Historical studies show that this is rarely the case. Uh, Conflicts are usually started by one side, uh, with or without provocation from the other side. And uh, an early popularizer of this expression was Gene Kirkpatrick, ambassador of the United Nations during the Reagan administration, uh, who wrote uh, The Myth of Moral Equivalence in 1986. Uh, so that's that's interesting. And uh, maybe they were because they were kind of say, well, I don't know, I think it's maybe a little bit different than that, uh, but not too much difference. And, uh, with that, uh, I think the last thing was glowering, which I looked up, uh, but it didn't uh, show up in the notes here, but you know, it's basically what I do all the time. It's a uh, feud face, uh, glowering is a feud face. Uh, so, but it, I, I wanted to share cause it in the Google, if you Google it, it shows that it, like it was peak in like, uh, the early 1900s. It's usage. Uh, all right. Uh. Uh, let's keep the show going. Okay, Budman. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary, Cape Outs listeners, we now inter- interrupt, your specially, uh, we specially interrupt your special shows uh, for this message from Cape Outs Radio and the team at Cape Outs Radio. Remember, you're listening to Cape Outs, the radio of cats and boys that are best friends everywhere. Oh, Podman, and boys and girls and cats and friends beyond the binary, please, Podman, remember that. Uh, jeepers creepers, thanks, though. Thanks, I'm, this is uh, Professor Berlinghoff, or Isringhauser, whatever. I don't have my name, Podman. Okay, Tom, just go. Well, How am I supposed to remember my name? Just get in the character. Okay, let's take a breath. Okay. Your your professor Burlinghoff or Erlinghausen Burlinghoff is great uh, for now. Maybe and if we get it wrong, we'll just oh, okay. Yeah, but get on the mic. Okay, hey, hello. This is Erlinghausen Brising Burlinghoff, uh, a professor from you. You may remember me as a guy that got got a uh, temporarily displaced by uh, Jean Luc Picard invent uh a genius, and I'm here with my best friend and partner in business and life, Gene. Gene, say hello. man. Thanks, Gene. And we're here working with Cape Hounds Radio, uh, trying to find solutions for these modern times you people live in, and Gene and I have been, you know, I've traveled the universe and also traveled to your towns and villages and, and said to myself, uh, I've heard many people now, many hucksters and oil salesmen and things, and they say, Oh, well, this is a solution uh, for being healthy. They call, you call it exercise. I call it a a waste uh, when someone, when someone could carry you or a spaceship or as I travel time and space, just waiting the day that I'll teach Jean Luc Picard a lesson. Uh, for thinking he got the upper hand on me and sending my spaceship back. Uh, when it, when my book comes out, uh, like, uh, Berlinghoff was... Uh, I don't have the second half of the title yet because uh, someone can't even give me a script with my name on it. Uh, but hello, I'm... Uh, also, this is Prince Tom and Hello, everybody. I begin behead, bet- pretending... I'm doing my best pretending a character... Uh, but, you know, the podman's difficult to work with, and that's not Jean. that's Sapanz. Sapa- say hello to our friends. Yes, man. That's right, Sapanz. I missed you all, but I like being a character, too. So this is Berlinghofer, Berlinghofer, Ber- is in Berlinghofer, and I want to say to all you, do you spend money with exercise, or do you avoid exercise? Because we here at the Berlinghofer Institute and Cape Ounce Radio have a VIP. Now, only if you consider yourself a VIP, do you think you could, if, if you had had, uh, like, uh, the opportunities that I did to be royal? That's like almost a VIP. I don't know if you consider yourself a VIP, but we're looking for a few VIPs who are tired of the 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 mundane plebeian ways of exercising, of lifting weights that you purchase or going. I mean, who would go to a place? Oh, goodness, but you could come to our place. Now, here at Cape Outs Radio, you have to come in. This is a real exercise program, supervised, and scientifically brought to you from both the future and the past. And it's an exercise program. We've been we've been long at work because it's so ex- the shipping and the handling. I didn't realize. Uh, anyway, we've developed a, a stringent exercise program. You will come. You will. You will. It is like a camp too. Also like the summer camp in uh, the Munsters. No, no. Uh, well, Adams family movie. I think I. I think I. I have a crush on. Uh, Oh, sorry, Podman's saying stick to the script. That's barely legible. We have, we have, oh, this is special. This just in. Gene, did you, Gene, what did they, what did the engineering room just say? Answered, man, 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 man. Oh, yes, this is a very temporary deal. Limited to only, not only VIPs, but people that only can act now. And you'll go to a special, uh, you know, the special uh, exclusive location. Uh, cash in hand, but prepay before you get here. You need to prepay before you arrive, actually. So no ca- cash in hand unless you drop it off, leave, and then come back. And you might say to yourself, uh, how much is is it worth looking good, uh, feeling good, exercising? What if all my exercise problems could be gone forever? And it could feel like a VIP. Also, you'll in a summer camp where you'll be bunking, drinking water, and maybe eating some things we provide for you. It's occasionally, if, if, if to, no, 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 I don't want them to have my pop tarts, bad men. We here at the Burling uh, Institute have a, have the, the short news is, if you can sign up today, you'll get access to our exercise program. It's the handling uh, in a shipping uh, uh, exercise program. Very exclusive, very effective. Instead of weights, you'll be lifting, because they say uh, in ex- exercise circles that I run in, you might hear about all these silly things, you know, dancing. How how often do you dance? Uh, but how often do you have to lift a bag? That's called functional strength, believe it or not, uh, right, Jean? May I ask, man? Yeah, or a cat that's eaten too much without my permission. If you need to lift those things, like you're a human being doing doing stuff, a human doing being, this may be the exercise program for you, but only if you consider yourself also a VIP. Is that enough of the VIP, Podman? You think I got him? Okay, keep going. Yes, yeah, so we've developed a special—you'll be here working, working out, not, not working, working out. And uh, until we get you ship-shape, we'll, we'll be doing a special thing. We have uh, filling orders, we call it. Uh, we have uh, ta- cl- taping. Taping. Oh, boy, that is—you know the Karate Kid did, did did things just like this, and see how it worked for him. So proof is in the pudding. You won't have any pudding, but you will be putting things into boxes. Crumbling newspapers. Have you ever seen the forearms of someone that crumbles newspapers four hours a day? Because my, I have been doing it for eight. And I've never looked better. I've never felt better. And I would to give you the opportunity. But again, only if you consider yourself almost royal. You'll join a special, uh, a special packaging, pack, packing stuff for uh, exercise program. And not only that now, you also have to ask yourself, are you a VIP or are you a member of the VIP, VIP program? Because when you go to check out uh, at a website, you'll have to choose one of those two things. If you're a regular VIP, you'll just be working out. And you'll receive orders from... Exclusive orders from Gene and I. But if if you join our VIP VIP program, you'll also be acknowledged by Gene and I during the orders by name, by a special nickname we give you. If you're wearing your name tag. Shouting... Now, I don't know how many of you saw the original Willy Wonka. But I've seen it 5,000 times and I love it every minute. But, uh... I'll be like the guy when everyone was unpacking the candy. You'll be packing the candy. That's how we've set it up. This exercise program. When there's orders uh, for for the other products we sell here at Wellenhoff uh, Enterprises, and so uh, that's it. You, but you know, decide. Do you want to spend uh, now? How much is your health worth? Forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars. Well, for the low, low price of one thousand dollars, we'll get you in shape the low, low price. Uh, oh, Jean, wait a second. That can't be right. Oh, Gene's saying the water-free program, if you bring your own water, it's only going to be $999. And if you want to be acknowledged by Jean and I, it's only $2,000. Oh boy, Jean, you're kidding me. Nineteen ninety one thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars And that's a week, every week. Uh, also, uh, Non-option. When you, can't, you first, you'll have to sign all the papers before you come, and you will need a, because one is for a power of attorney. So make sure those are signed and notarized. Uh, the, the the control room's telling me. Gene, uh, you look like you're in great shape. Have you been doing any of this? Ma'am, yeah, no, you have not. You've been licking boxes and smelling them and hiding in them, just being around our exercise program. You look great, Gene. And uh, I feel great, but I need some help. There's many paper cuts. Also, paper cut, we'll, we'll be treating you in how to treat paper cuts, uh, because you'll probably get a few. And so that's it. Uh, you can help K-Pounce Radio. All of this goes to K-Pounce's mission of uh, boys who are best friends with cats and a candy a special candy fund that Sir has embezzled into his belly. And so that's it. I'm happy to return you to... So make sure to sign up if you care about being, be, being a VIP and exercise. It'll be life-changing. And especially change all my life because there's too much work with all the other orders coming in. Please, please, do this. Uh, Jean, do you have anything to say before we go? In mean, I mean... Right, get in here and get it done. That's what you're going to be doing. And you could call me, uh, uh King Tommen, because that's what I'll be going by when I'm telling you what to do and getting you ship-shape. Uh, this is uh, Professor islinghofer co-, co-, co signing off without a script with his real name on it. Thank you, Podman. And that's it for get, No, go back. Get on the mic. Uh, we now return to regular scheduled program on Cape Outs Radio. The radio best boys, girls, and friends beyond the binary, best friends with cats, in cats uh Cape Outs Radio Oh thank you. That's good. You 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 fixed it. Yeah, good thing you didn't say dogs because no right gene? No dogs. You can have a dog. Cape Outs Radio. Get, get your own radio for dogs. Goodbye. Uh Crown, sweet, sweet Crown, Miller Smith, Barky Chester. Hey, And not the kind of hay horses have, like, uh, that's that's kind of a joke. Crone, sweet, sweet Crone, Miller, Smith, Barky, Jester. Probably shouldn't start a prayer with a joke, huh? Oh, how about an ode? Oh, hey, to the gods old and new and newer than new and wiser than wise. Sweet, sweet, crone, barky jester, hound, crone, Miller, Smith, barky jester. Sorry about that, Miller Smith, Miller and Smith, Miller and Smith. If you had a son, you should, you know, would you call him Miller Smith? That's very, uh, uh, they, they, I could see quarterback for high school quarterback, Miller Smith. In the, the class ahead of me, there was a court, there was a football player with the last name Smith, and there was someone with the last name Miller who was very good at, at lacrosse. So sweet, sweet, crone, Miller Smith Barkage. This is going to be a lesson, a prayer, prayer, a praise within a lesson within a. Because I learned this week what you needed to teach me that A C C A C C E P T A N C E. And so I, I guess I should have an ode, because, oh, g- g- how far I have to go. But how short the journey uh, to, re you know, to, to see my shortcomings, but accept them. And know oh, it is but a reflection of my limitations. Oh, my shortcomings in the mirror look like limitations. And I know that I need to say, oh crone, sweet, sweet crone, who was that young man? Who was that man making jest at you earlier this uh, passing weeks? Who was a young man without the courage to say, hey crone, throw me a bone, felony phone? You know, the FBI was tapping uh, Chuck, Chuck D's telephone. Oh, no, that was that uh, Flavor's telephone? But, Crone, you know, I, I don't realize. I, I don't realize and I forget. Uh, and so I spread my arms open and say, Crone, you're great. I accept that you may be limited and your Godhead may not be the size I imagine it to be. Totally normal size, probably, Crone. And I accept the lessons you bestow on me, like the drip, drip, drip that uh, gets you know, like 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 I'm a, like I like I don't know if I'm a stalactite or a stalagmite, and I don't know if this is the 50th time I've used that metaphor. So I don't know if I'm growing from the ground up or, or from the top down or both at the same time. But, Crone, I know your wisdom is guiding those drips, drip, drip, dripping. Piling up the wisdom, one tiny film of limestone at a time, Crone. But I, you know, I'm a, I'm a god headless, uh, without, you know, I have no like, uh, and I can't see it, Crone. Except when you teach me this acceptance to say, whoa, slow it down." You don't know nothing, and I do know that. Uh, but I forget how how to embrace that and say, well, you say?" Yeah, I don't know anything. The crone, I was right about one thing, and you two last week was right about it too. You do work in mysterious ways, crone. Sweet. They, they just forgot the extra sweets. Like the crone, she works in sweet, mysterious ways. Oh boy, does she. And maybe Scott and Scott could talk to Bono about, or the Edge about how sweet your moves are, crone. So thanks for your dripping. Or, or dry, you know, I just would, I don't know if I'm coming top down or, you know, I guess I'm coming from the bottom to the top. Also, I don't know which one is, am I, am I a stalag or a sag, stalag, stalag, tights or stalag mites? I don't know. I'd rather not be either. If we're going to shorten it, I'd just rather be a stalag than a mite or a tight, uh. So anyway, thank you, Crone. Totally one hundred percent accept to this week, you know, full acceptance of my limitation. I accept my limitation to fully embrace you because I like because I'm you know I'm limited. What can I say? Otherwise I would accept you fully. And that's <laughs> Crone's Miller Miller, oh Miller. Oh how those who love you toil away, and you know the wheel, you know, goes round and round. And as that uh, Billy sang, "Will it go round in circles?" It will when you're when that mill's going, it's going, Miller. And it feels, but sometimes we got to step. Away. You're right though, Miller. When we say we got to accept it and step away, all the mill does is grind. We're not a mill. Were miller and you, oh boy, Miller. Do I forget that sometimes I forget? I don't see the uh, the mill for the mill, you know, the Miller for the mill, uh, just like they say about the stars and stuff. And then I forget about the whole other level that I'm both the milled and like the like uh, the baked. I don't know, am I the milled and the baked? Am I like uh, I could I probably could use some extra bran. I don't know if you've been like a... Uh, Right, I probably told you that before, too, but it's a circle. We're going around in circles, Miller, and I forget how badly i got to get ground down. You know, if I'm going to get, you know, processed into something, I don't know if I'll be savory or sweet. If I'm stalactite or slagmite, probably neither and neither, but, uh, you know, maybe some limestone stone water would be good uh, in, in uh, like, uh, will I be leavened or unleavened, Miller? Because lately I've been feeling stone ground and unleavened. Uh, but I know that's, again, I just got to ex- say, like, uh, I got to accept either my, my my yeasty side or my, you know, my non-yeasty side. And sometimes I just got to say lavash because it's such a podcasty word, lavash. And maybe I could greet the day with that lavash like, and maybe that day won't be, maybe it'll be some other form of flatbread or maybe it'll be a risen. Maybe I'll rise up and see a risen loaf, uh, right at the foot of my bed, but the place by the Miller, uh, and, and then I'll say, well, I'm the, you know, so anyway, Miller, you know, remind me to keep reminding me to accept that it's more than just the ground part, uh, there's many more stages because there's both a mill and a Miller and the other parts of being. So thank you, Miller, for that, uh, that lesson. Oh, Smith, uh, you know, with the anvil and all those things, uh, it's, I guess I have hard times. Like, I guess if I could go back, no offense, Smith, uh, like, uh, don't let the Miller hear this, but, uh. I guess you're not working double duty, but you kinda are the two of you. You're the workhorse gods uh I guess that's why you would have that that uh if you have a son that's quarterback, don't put any pressure on him accept him like you've accepted me, Smith. You see how he did that. Did you just accept that uh move I just made, Smith, because I'm accepting the hard work you're doing on me, holy and you know holy hammer blows uh. I feel like a glass jaw Joe some of the time when I'm trying to sneak in these like uh, things that remind like what are these, uh, you know, when th- one thing reminds me of another thing, even though those were body blows. I know, I know, I know, Smith, I know, you know, but all that hard work you're doing on me. And then you say, geez, uh, still too many impurities in there, but that's what makes him shine that way. I don't shine bright like a diamond. I know I don't do that, Miss Smith. But keep forging me. You know, sometimes I like I forget whether I'm on the forge or in the anvil or sizzling in that water, or I've yet to be malleable. You know, I try to. Be, you're right, Miller. I need to remain remain malleable at all times. You know, you can't you can't always. You know, we can't always be white hat, right? I'd like to be white, though, if, if, if there is, if you're keeping a list, I'd like to be white hot at some point and laser sharp or, you know, razor sharp or laser sharp, either one of those, if you do have plans for me, uh, like that would be great. But I'll accept whatever, that's what I'm doing this week is just accepting the, uh, how great you are, uh, like striking that anvil, striking while the iron's hot, uh, and like, do, do you do you do the work? I guess that's the thing. You do the work. I'm supposed to just kick back. I guess that's my what I got to accept is you're doing the work. Some reason that just seems to go against uh, culturally. I don't think we believe that in America here. And then I would say, well, you do the work. I'll do the worrying. It would be my uh, belief system. But I'm trying to replace it with yours. You you let the the Smith, let the Crone do the all-seeing and the all, you know, let the Miller do the grinding. Let the Smith do the work, Scoots. Just kick back. There's no reason. You don't got to do the worrying when the Miller's at work. You just got to accept it. Or when you mix up the Smith and the Miller, that they accept your apology. Sorry about that. Or when you kiss your hand and you pretend it's a maiden and you get caught in public doing it uh, and someone posted it on Instagram. You got to accept those things, too, right, Smith? Because maybe that's just your strut. Maybe that was when I was white. Hot. If I'm white hot like that, I'd rather not be white hot, I guess. So let me just accept the work you do, Smith. Thank you, Miller Smith Barkey. Holy moly, Barky. I not like one thing I don't have trouble is accepting is you because you put a smile on my face. Uh, so maybe I gotta accept the cartwheel of the smile, the frown, and uh, say, Hey, sometimes, uh, but you know, sometimes Barky's digging deep, sometimes Barky's just silent, uh, as a tree, and the answers don't come. Except in the, the sound of the wind in your branches, right, Barky, or the wisdom of the with the wrinkles in your uh, trunk. So sometimes I just gotta accept. I mean, the mystery of how the heck, uh, what is cambium? That's one mystery that still hasn't been resolved. Uh, but also, how do you do it, Barky? Like, uh, how do you stay? How do you put such a smile on my face? Uh, how do you make me think of dancing groat every time? How do you take all those electronics I leave for you and rust them up, and so I can't return them? Oh, Barky, keep me accepting, of, mostly of accepting of your smile, your shade, and your bird droppings. Thank you, Barky. Oh, Jester, let, you know, let me just accept your laughter at my fo- foibles, as we say here in this uh, this season. Uh let me accept your 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 grins and your laughs and your giggles and your snickering let me accept you take it you know when every time I say well you like uh, we, we, I know you're not the actual maid, but you say, well, actually, I've got a date with the jester, oh boy, another one bites the dust jester. Help me accept that uh, it doesn't need to be funny for me to laugh at it, right? It just has to be my, you know, my mistake. Like, I can laugh at being human. And if I can't laugh at myself, I can accept that you're laughing at me and with me, right, Jester? So I can accept that. uh, And that's pretty sweet from your view. And then maybe you're even saying see you wouldn't want to be uh, I could still laugh at that. Thank you, Jester. Thank you for the acceptance, Gods. Crone, sweet sweet crone, Miller Smith Barky Jester Hound Dog God Just accept you know, just accept your, 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 your bad words, uh, uh good night, gods.